This is Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Scarlett Fu. I'm in for Jason Kelly. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Ooh, doing my famous Arnold Horshack imitation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Field of Dreams. The game draws MLB's highest rating for regular seasons in 16 years. Uh, the movie, uh, if you haven't seen it, this is the best line. Right, and it's a great mm-hmm. the field of dream. Someone said this earlier today. Was it cool or was it creepy when they came out of the cornfield? And I thought Scarlett, it was really cool when they came out of the cornfield. I didn't watch the game. I only kind of read about it afterwards. I feel like it's kind of creepy. I also feel like it's kind of creepy in general that you have life imitating art. Is Field of Dreams based on a true story? I mean, I know it has its roots in kind of a true story, but it's not like this actually happened, right, Lynchy? No, it's all about the pretense. It's all about uh, Kevin Costner, his character, having a game of catch with his late dad. And, you know, it's sort of just a dream that he has. And baseball is sort of the common denominator, the, the connection between all different generations. Uh, it's a movie that has Burt Lancaster, it has James Earl Jones, it has Kevin Costner. It has Does it a have bit any of women? It has a woman, Kev, the woman who plays Kevin Costner's wife and of uh, his little his daughter as well. But that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, by but the I way, did, I, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I watched the pregame show at 6 o'clock. I don't know why. For some reason, I just clicked over and they started the pregame show and it was awesome. And when they came through... The cornfield, uh, the cornfields into the into the into the stadium. I had goosebumps. It was one of those moments. It was one of the best things Major League Baseball has done in my memory. I can't think of anything that it comes close to this. This was spectacular. By the way, I just wanted to add that 5.9 million viewers across Fox saw that game, and that was big. And mm-hmm. it was heaven, just like they said in the movie. Is this heaven? It's Iowa. Well, actually, it's Dyersville. But you know what? Same thing. It's still heaven. I, I, my thing is, and we talked all about this earlier. This was the first year for the Field of Dreams game because it was supposed to be played last year, but because of COVID, it got uh, nixed. So, how long does the spectacular? element of this game last? I mean, do we have enough where we could rotate for all 30 teams in MLB? Uh, so we got at least 15 years or or what happens? It'll get tiresome pretty quickly, I think, especially with the full marketing might of MLB and Fox Sports and everything. Um, there's also some criticism I was reading about how there was too many logos for a game that was really supposed to harken back to the traditional roots of baseball. You know, the new era caps, the FTX logos on umpire shirts. There are people who are upset about that, that thought it kind of tarnished uh, the game itself a little bit. But the game itself was pretty dramatic, right? Walk-off home run for uh, Tim Anderson at the very mm-hmm. end. So if you watched until the end, it paid off. Lynchy, do you think that the uh, that the sponsors and too many logos out there spoil the game? 
No, I don't think so at all. In fact, I looked to the scoreboard, which was made of old wood, uh, like the side of a barn, and they had three high school kids out there uh, changing the, uh, like uh, manually changing the scoreboard every inning. I thought it was really a big slice of Americana. Um, I know that sales and marketing people were very happy with it. Uh, I read that at one Hyundai spot, a uh, 30-second spot, immediately got 35,000 incremental hits uh, within the net, net two minutes after the spot ran. Now, a National Football League primetime game would get roughly 40,000 incremental hits. So that's, people were tuning in, they were watching, and they were reacting. This is going to be an annual event, much like hockey's Winter Classic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a, a destination game, and I can see all kinds of amateur teams playing there. Uh, Babe Ruth, uh, uh, Legion teams, college teams, it's going to become a destination. I know the light stands went in, they're permanent, so that tells you something, that it's going to be there for a long time. You wonder if they're also going to build other stadiums specifically for one game or um, not necessarily with, with ties to a movie, but with ties to something historical or important in baseball lore. You think that they would have a game maybe in London like they do in the NFL? Who would go they except did. for Americans? They had it a couple of years ago. The Red Sox played the Yankees over in London, yeah. and uh, it was a very high-scoring game. I think it was like 19 to 18 or something, and they loved it over there. They said, well, this is great, all kinds of action in baseball. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever, have you ever sat through like a four-hour one-nothing game? <laughs> <laughs> Where they changed a the pitcher three times in one inning? Come on. Yeah, it kicked, I know, exactly. <laughs> See, we've never seen cricket like this. But uh, <laughs> Speaking of baseball, Honus yeah. Wagner, uh, a Honus Wagner card, uh, in fairly good condition, sold for over $6 million at an auction, Lynchy. Uh, <laughs> that's a good chunk of change. $6.6 million, and the same card in May of this year sold for roughly half of that, $3.75 million. It's only 60 Honus Wagner baseball cards exist. It's considered the holy grail or the Mona Lisa of baseball cards. And yesterday in Chicago, somebody plunked down $6.6 million for that little card. Would you pay $6.6 .6 million, Scarlett? Not for a baseball card. I, I was trying to figure out who sold it and who bought it. Both seller and buyer, buyer preferred to remain anonymous. The seller is, quote, East Coast Collector. <laughs> Oh. Real helpful. <laughs> yes. We'll keep it hush hush after but, this. But you know, all this all the collectibles, baseball cards, big business right now, especially during the pandemic. I was talking with uh someone who had said uh Steiner, um Charlie Steiner, uh who yeah. had said that a lot of people were cleaning out their house in the beginning of the pandemic and kind of stumbled upon their collections and were like, you know what, I'm gonna monetize this. <laughs> Don't get me going. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the Lynchy story? I'll you haven't heard the Lynchy story, have you, Scarlett? Right. I have not. Oh man, it's like so. I'm I'm a young lad uh, with a shoebox full of baseball cards uh, in my formative years, and uh, my dad would come up every night and say, "Michael, have you done your homework?" "Oh yeah, I've got it, Dad." And Michael, he knew I wasn't doing my homework, and finally he said, "Let me see your assignment book." He gets my assignment book and uh, and he looks at my notebook and it's blank, so he. <laughs> took my box of baseball cards out to the garage, and I think they went into the trash eventually. <laughs> and years later, uh, we, we would have a good laugh every time. Hey, Dad, did you see what a Mickey Mantle card just sold for? $50,000. Thanks a lot. And he Ouch. said, all right, all right. So every time baseball cards come up, it's a sore subject. It's a very so sore subject. 
it is a very sore subject. So uh, I'm sure my dad's looking down right now at that Honus Wagner thing and saying, "But I hope that wasn't that wasn't in Mike's box when I threw it out in the garage." <laughs> but you know what? I learned my lesson. I never lied to my father again about my homework or anything else. <laughs> well done, well done to Mr. Lynch. Um, by the way, it was Brandon Steiner, not Charlie Steiner. Charlie Steiner is a sportscaster. Brandon Steiner is a guy behind Steiner Sports. Yeah. Well, the thing about collecting baseball, it was any sports card for that matter. Uh, as you know, a lot of people now are getting into, uh, it's not just, you know, one buyer, you get, uh, a group trying to buy a baseball card and, uh, some people find it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, some people look at it as uh, a way to invest. Uh, it's not like me where I have my, you know, Detroit Tigers, Willie Horton baseball card that is just near and dear to me. Uh, people look at it for investment, and 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 that's a great thing. You know, it's especially in today's uh, world. It's not like it was back with Lynchy, and and maybe back in the day when we would just you know we collect the cards. Don't put you know this card in the bike spoke, (laughs) (laughs) which you know, and and it it now it is you know it's big business. I you know and I just wonder. What's going to happen uh, as we go along? NFTs. Yes. It's already happening. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we move now to Roger Federer. He is not going to be in the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, they told me for the medium to long term to feel better, I will need surgery. So I decided to do it. I'll be on crutches for many weeks and then also uh, out of the game for many months. So it's going to be difficult, of course, in some ways. But at the same time, uh, I know it's the right thing to do because I want to be healthy. I want to be running around later as well again. And I want to give myself um, a glimmer of hope also to return to the tour in some shape or form. Roger Federer, the 20-time Grand Slam winner, says he'll be sidelined for probably until the beginning of next year. I could see that happening. Uh, and and the problem that I asked Scarlett, and I, do you think this will damage U.S. Open attendance because we're not going to see Roger Federer? It's definitely a damper. Um, and I also just wonder how much, uh, how how many people are going to come out for the U.S. Open given the Delta variant um, for COVID in general. But you you never want to see a great like Roger Federer. Um, succumb to injury like this. He's 40 years old, right? I I couldn't figure out whether he's a young Gen X or an old millennial because it definitely (laughs) feels like, you know, it's it's not an end of an era, but you're definitely seeing the passing of an era. Oh, yeah. It's this is Lynchy and I'm an old geezer and I at least I know Roger Federer that I'm rooting for. I mean, yes, and I keep up on the tennis stars, but Roger Federer is like, you know, near and dear. And now it's like he's not going to be there. Do I want to watch the U.S. Open? I will still watch the U.S. Open, and I think people will show up. Uh, given last year with the pandemic, uh, nobody it was played in an empty stadium, and there there were so many people in the greater New York area that marked this as a destination and a must see thing are going to show up. Um, what does it do to the game of tennis overall? I I, I think of Tiger Woods chasing Jack Nicholas with uh, his eighteen. Uh, major championships, and right now, uh, Roger Federer is tied with uh, Djokovic and Nadal with 20 Grand Slam championships. And if he is not unable to play or unable to play at top form, um, he won't be remembered as the all-time leader. And he he won 16 majors in, in early in his career between 03 and 10. So obviously, in the last decade or so, he slowed down a little bit. 
And he just wants to be able, you know, in his, in his uh, elder years, he wants to be able to walk around and not be in pain. But I wouldn't rule him out. This guy's as fierce a competitor as I've ever seen in tennis. Now, the U.S. Open, uh, this is the season's last Grand Slam tournament, and it begins August 30th in New York. So we're not going to see Federer in any Grand Slam tournament, at least for this year. So it probably will be next year. Jay-Z. Yeah. Yeah, Jay-Z. Uh, he is joining the sports merchandise giant Fanatics in a bid to get into the mobile sports betting business. Scarlett, this is big news for people who are gamblers like a certain person who is on this show that I know. So, Michael Barr, does this change how you would approach gambling, sports gambling, or sports betting in New York? Oh, I, I was in it from the get-go. and but no, <laughs> this, I, I didn't care if, the, you know, he's a giant rapper who was great in his industry, but you could have put anybody out there. You could have put, uh, you know, Bullwinkle the Moose out there, and I'd have been in there gambling, uh, you know, everything uh, that I'd love. But, yeah, it, it is important because you bring the Jay-Z name to this and you now bring a little bit of a different audience yes. to sports gambling. And uh, it it will help in New York. Uh, and, and for that matter, because we're talking about it, this is going across the nation, it's going to help when any state brings gambling to their industry as well. The Gaming Commission in New York <clears throat> apparently is only going to approve two uh, uh, betting out outlets. Uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars, Win. they're all in there. And now Fanatics is recruiting Jay-Z. To me, this looks like a, a political move for them or a leverage move because his Rock Nation is in is headquartered in Manhattan. He grew up in Brooklyn. Okay, here's a native guy. This is not some carpetbagger coming in from Las Vegas to take New York's money. This is a guy who's going to live and work here. But um, it's, it's, will he be approved by the Gaming Commission? And that's the big question there. I remember reading that um, New York State was definitely going to give preference to uh, underserved communities, um, lower income uh I guess, um, people who wanted to get in on this and uh, women, people of color, um, people whose communities were disproportionately affected by uh, the criminalization of marijuana. Jay-Z doesn't really fit into any of those categories per se. I mean, he's a billionaire rap star, um, you know, business mogul with forays into fintech, cannabis, fitness. I mean, this is just another thing in his long list of business ventures. So it's interesting to me that he's jumping in and they're going to say, like, this is a New York guy. Yes, he is, but it's not really the kind of uh, small business that they're necessarily looking to cultivate, that, that the state assembly was looking to cultivate originally as planned. What's interesting, too, is that Fanatics is, I mean, I know it as the baseball hat company, right? They sell a lot of yeah. gear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of late, they have really expanded what they're doing. They they hired Matt King, who used to run FanDuel, the CEO of FanDuel, uh, to, to really run its sports book. Now, I should add, too, that he will serve according to people who did not want to be identified because they don't discuss business at the dinner table at this time, is that he's going to serve Jay-Z as a vice chairman uh, on this new board. Hmm. So it, and it, But it brings up the point that... that that both of you guys mentioned is that is this a, a political move and it looks to be but mm -hmm. it seems to be a smart political move because sure. you know now is first of all we're talking about it 
Yeah. You, you bring the name Jay Z into it, and it's like, hey, it's like instead, it's not like a one or two liner somewhere. And you know, okay, and this is happening. See you bye. But right. No, you bring Jay Z's name. Into Everyone it. sits up and pays attention. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we should talk about this real quick. Disney, they're going to pay the NHL $350 million to buy the league's 10% stake in Disney streaming service. That is the tech platform that powers the entertainment giant's streaming services. Lynchy, uh, <laughs> I'm an oldie, and uh, <laughs> you, you've been around a long time. Uh, do we have to give up the ghost now? Or do we have to give up the linear TV and go to streaming? Well, we're going to get down fighting. We're going to be holding on to that outlet, <laughs> that cord that goes into the socket till uh, they drag us out the front door. But, you know, streaming is, is big now. Uh, ESPN, uh, compared to a year ago, ESPN Plus has 75% more paid customers. And the, this new deal that the NHL has with ESPN and TNT says that 75 games each year, 75 games are going to be streamed on ESPN Plus. And it's... It's the way that you know, the younger people are, are consuming their, their games. And, uh, you know, everybody's got their head down looking at their phone or their tablet. And some of us <clears throat> still like to be horizontal on the couch and watching linear television. Scarlett, are you surprised, uh, me being a geezer, that my next words aren't going to be, up next, Charlie McCarthy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's it, it, have you made the change realizing, first of all, that even cable is considered old-fashioned. Are you a streamer? I am a streamer, um, but it comes with its problems, right? I mean, the the game, there's always buffering, or sometimes, you know, you decide you want to watch the game, and you sit down and you try to look for the game, and it's blacked out, or this is not possible, or I got to log in with this um, password, and I don't have it on hand, and it becomes very frustrating. And at the end, I end up calling home and asking my husband to just tape it for me on the on, on the cable box, which is clearly not what anyone had in mind when streaming became available. But for now, it's still too many steps uh, sometimes. And unless you have it on your phone and you're already like you've got your face ID opening it up, it just becomes multi-stepped and kind of high friction. See, it, so I don't feel bad because one time I had to call my wife, Linda. I said, listen. Oh, you, you relate to this. You, I, you did this too. I did. Oh, yeah. Did, <laughs> oh, yeah. I did this. It was one time I said, "Can <laughs> there was a uh, a race that, because of rain delays, went to like uh, a Monday. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm here working. And it's like 11 o'clock start. And I was like, I said, honey, can you record this? And God bless, Linda was in the same boat that I was in. All right, now what button do I push? What do I do? It's like, well, I missed the daggone race. That was that's the bottom line. It's like I'll just listen to it on Twitter or yeah. I read about it on Twitter. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm resisting. I'm Michael Barr. Follow me on Twitter at Big Barr Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy WCDB. I'm Scarlett Fu. I'm at Scarlett Fu on Twitter. And of course, we're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.